and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Today, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack, as always, and thank you so much for joining us for what is now episode one of our brand new podcast series. So for those of you who have been following along in the past, you would know that we just wrapped up our most recent series, Road to 2021. But as the saying goes, when one chapter ends, another begins. So we would like to welcome you to our brand new podcast series, Road to 2023. Very original. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But we are very excited to be here. We hope you are too. And we just can't wait to embark on this new journey and take you along for the ride. Awesome. And as the title of the series suggests, basically we'll be documenting everything. So training, nutrition, our lifestyle, business, everything related to Jack and Tierra that we want to share, which Mm -hmm. will be lots. But essentially, we want to compete again in 2023. And that's when it's not necessarily set in stone. We kind of penciled that in. But ideally, we would like to be viable for our pro cards by then. And that's kind of why we've called it Road to 2023. I'm not scared to say it here and now. Road to 2023, Road to Pro. That's let, <laughs> Let's a do it. Statement. Ultimately, that's the ultimate goal. And mm. that's why we've set ourselves that timeline. That's why we're saying, no, we're not getting on stage for another two and a half years. Because this past season, we got a really good look at our physiques now. And we say, okay, how can I get that professional status? How can I get to where I truly want to be? And how long is that realistically going to take? Probably two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd be lying if we said that competing next time in 2023 would be just for fun or just for the experience. Man, we've had the experience. (laughs) Yeah. It's time to now aim for that pro card. And I think we will be very honest with each other and we will get other people to be very honest about. Mm -hmm. To an extent, you don't really know, like anyone can show up. You don't know how your prep's going to go. You don't know what you look with um, body fat stripped off. You don't know where you're going to lose body fat. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we want to start our prep knowing that we'll give it a very, very good crack. And this is what we kind of touched on in our very final episode of Road to 2021, is that ultimately we want to be contenders for a pro card. Mm. We want to be at that level where we have the physiques and then if we go through a very successful prep and diet down, we would have a shot to be in that top lineup and be a top contender. And again, we've just promised each other that we're not going to enter into another prep again until we are truly at that level because it's just too much to go through. So we promised each other that and to, like you said, really get that second opinion from someone that we really value and trust in this space, someone like Joey Cantlin, Brandon Kempter, and a whole bunch of others. Mm. And yeah, we are excited for it to be a big season. I think we both ended this season like ready to enter the improvement season, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we weren't like, we weren't like scraping by, like we, we were still enjoying it by the end mm-hmm. and we probably could have pushed it for a couple of weeks longer if we really had to. You know, the, the very last show that we could have potentially done the INBA show here in yeah. Brisbane, that's coming up this Saturday. Mm. But I mean, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know too much about it, but I'm kind of glad we didn't do it because it doesn't look like there's going to be many people mm-hmm. doing it. And we could have, but still, we've been in our improvement season now for two weeks and I cannot imagine still being in comp prep right now. <laughs> it would have been rough, yeah. But what I was getting to was we want to basically go overseas, maybe compete in the INBA Federation mm-hmm. over there, actually overseas, 
and compete in WMBF over there as well. Maybe their ICN might even have their worlds in, in Vegas like they were meant to, I think this year or last year. So who knows, like we won't know until everything gets released. We won't even know if we can travel yet, <laughs> but that's the plan. And we want to combine it with a, with a trip and like Team Australia, baby. Absolutely. Let's hope that in two and a half years from now, international travel definitely is open yeah. and we can just take full advantage of that season. It'll be amazing. Like mm. I want to do AWNBS over here and then obviously go over to the US and compete in the WNBF. I want to do IFBB again. I want to go for ICN Fitness again. Heck, maybe, yeah, we could do INBA. Maybe we could even travel to Europe. <laughs> like let's do a world tour man yeah. so a lot we're saying all of this now in our recovery phase when we're eating a lot more food <laughs> but you know it's it's important to set big goals because we do have many years ahead of yeah. us now and we need something to really push us and something to really look forward to not that we don't look forward to our lives every single day but it's going to be pretty damn fun to actually listen back to this episode in two and a half years time yeah 100 percent but, you know, as you guys know, as a comp prep ends, you do enter into your reverse dieting phase, your recovery dieting phase. So let's get into that, Jack. Yeah, so we've, we've touched on it a little bit, like in the last episode, I've done a YouTube video. So I will be documenting as much as I can of the improvement season and recovery phase all on YouTube and Tierra will be as well. We really want to put out as much content as we can there, like try and aim for at least one video per week. And so yeah, if you haven't subscribed, definitely go ahead and do that. But we wanted to take this episode to basically run through everything related to our recovery diets and give rationales behind everything. So we'll get started. And first, I think it's only appropriate that we touch on what is our kind of uh, take on the recovery diet. Mm -hmm. And also we need to just clarify recovery diet reverse diet some people use them synonymously mm. some people say that they have very strict definitions i think it's a little bit of both yeah i mean i use it synonymously it depends what in regards to comp prep i kind of use them synonymously mm -hmm. uh, but it is a bit different if you're not in prep mm -hmm. but when some people do talk about reverse dieting after prep they mean taking it very very slow and gradual like implementing five grams of carbs every week when body weight stores and doing it very, very, very slow mm -hmm. and controlled. And we don't do that method for, I guess to break it down really simple, we don't do that method because it doesn't allow you to actually recover fast mm -hmm. enough because you're still in a compromised physiological condition uh, for an extended period of time until you get to a certain body weight. So someone might finish prep at 75 kilos, but it's only until they reach 80 kilos that things have started to begin to be normalized again mm -hmm. and they've just taken five months to get there. So it doesn't, I think that's the thing of the past. I don't see too many people, one, adhering to that or practicing it in mm -hmm. general. I guess as the saying goes, reverse dieting, ultimately, yes, we are no longer dieting mm. and we are trying to bring our calories back up well beyond maintenance to reverse out of that diet. But at the same time, recovery diet still fits in there because the ultimate goal of this is to recover from dieting. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you are probably implementing like more of a reverse diet mm -hmm. than I am. I'm implementing to use the previous definition I stated, I'm mm -hmm. definitely more so in the rapid weight gain approach. And yeah. So I guess you're being more 
aggressive with your rate of gain, I'm being slightly less aggressive. But mm-hmm. overall, we're both aiming to recover from what we've just been through these past seven months. Yeah, we would hope so. <laughs> so let's break down the recovery diet and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the goal is to recover. The goal is to bring up all the normality again, just like it was before you started dieting. So what does that look like? That looks like your food focus is normalized, your hunger cues are normalized, your libido is normalized, you love training, you feel energetic throughout the day, you're happy, your hormone profile is normal, all of that kind of stuff. And there are a few other, those are I would say are the main ones, but you wanna be able to tick all those off. And what I see in a lot of people is that uh, they, they think that it's just going to happen without any sort of weight gain, but bringing uh, basically a combination of increasing energy availability and bringing body fat and body weight, those two are kind of synonymous in this instance, back up will basically help restore those factors. Mm-hmm. And to say it simply, I'm basically restoring my body fat from an unhealthy range to a healthy range again and i'm restoring it to the leaner side of the healthy end so then i have a significant amount of time and body weight in reserve to then build back up in body weight gain continuously gain muscle and then implement a mini cut whenever that might be but i want to push that mini cut for as long as i can like that might even be to be honest like over a year away Mm -hmm. like i would hope that it's over a year away so i hope that kind of breakdown makes sense to people. And what I see for a lot of people is that they they gain weight too quickly, which is just a reality of this post-comp phase. And there's a huge amount of hunger cues and food focus, and people might gain 10 kilos in one, two, three weeks, which at the end of the day, I wouldn't say is optimal, but it's just a reality. And even the most disciplined people in prep are gonna, or can do that, and I've seen it happen. and. I would say in reality, more competitors than not kind of go down that route. And it's not the end of the world. Like there are some risks involved in, involved in that, but it definitely does restore their homeostasis quite, quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. But the downside of that, of, of course, is potentially incorporating more disordered eating patterns. It doesn't give your metabolism time to adapt. So potentially you're 10 kilos heavier, but eating a similar amount of food mm-hmm. and it also doesn't allow for as much weight gain in reserve. So you might gain 10 kilos, uh, which might be as much as you lost in prep. And then you're, are you going to mini cut from there again? Like you're kind of at a point where your body fat is high again, but (laughs) you can't really do another mini cut because you've just finished prep. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of in a sticky situation. Why? That's why the balance is always better of, of taking that recovery diet approach. Yeah, and there's no denying that this phase that we're going through right now is incredibly tough. No Mm -hmm. matter, like you said, how disciplined you are, it's incredibly tough no matter who you are because we did just come out of over half a year of dieting, being so disciplined, so meticulous, so freaking goal-driven, and now we have a little bit more freedom, right? Mm. We're like, oh, hey, we can eat more food now, but... Our hunger cues, we're not going to deny that yeah. like... It's been tough for us as well. We're, it's tough. We're and, freaking hungry, man. Yeah. And food focused. And we don't want to sit here and say that it, it probably is a bit easier for us because we've got each other. We don't yeah. have anyone telling us to eat more or to eat different foods. 
but we're trying to do that anyway because we need to restore some sort of normality like last night we just had a fairly untracked meal together we made it ourselves we had a great time the rest day roasts are back <laughs> oh boy but I think another thing that really helps us is that we have a plan mm. and we set ourselves this plan before we even started our previous prep. We know what we knew what was coming. Yeah. So we had a plan and that's really going to help you guys manage this period now. So Jack, what's your plan? What are you doing right now? Yeah. So hopefully you guys understand the recovery approach now and basically it's controlled rapid weight gain. That's mm -hmm. the best way I would describe it. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So my peak week average for my last show was 75.7 kilos. And essentially what I'm trying to do is gain around five to 10% of my body weight or stage weight body weight in the first four to eight weeks. And personally based on, I've decided on some numbers that I think are appropriate for me from the get go. And that is gaining two kilos in the first week, which I ticked off. I'm in just the start of the third week right now. And then one kilo from then on until I reach around 80 kilos. So mm -hmm. I'm weighing in about 79 at the moment in at the start of week three. So by the end of this week, if I weigh 79.7, uh, I've hit that one kilo each week after that first week. And then I'm basically 80 kilos. And so far I have put on body fat. I have, my weight has come up, uh, into, although I'm feeling a lot fuller, by no means is it easy to like see condition fade so much. And I sometimes during the day, like I do feel like a bit of a water balloon because I'm eat, still in that phase of eating fairly high volume foods, but also my calories have come up, come up quite a lot as well. So it's just going to be a process of reducing the amount of volume that I'm eating as I get less and less food focused mm -hmm. and taking that, I'm not going to suddenly go cold turkey and do it, but naturally like I'm already adding less water to my cream of weed. I'm making denser oats. I'm having less vegetables in the evening, all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me. I'm, I'm definitely feeling more recovered. All those signs that I mentioned previously are improving and we got to remember that your hormone profile doesn't just change overnight. Mm. I'm very, very susceptible to fat gain. I probably haven't gained any muscle since finishing prep. And that's all part of the plan because I guess to touch on bloods very quickly, like my, I did put a YouTube video out about this, but my, my testosterone basically reached one uh, nanomole per liter, uh, which is as low as it can go, I think on a blood test. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they can go like 0.8. But the, the normal range, I think, starts at 10. And yeah, so I'm one tenth of that. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I'm used to how I'm feeling right now and I do feel better. But I think it's not until that reaches a more normal range that I'm going to feel closer to 100% and be a bit more uh, fortuitous in the gym mm -hmm. in terms of making progress and making uh, like an optimal amount of muscle gain. Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular informative content on both our Instagram and YouTube channel. So make sure to go over to those platforms and search the bodybuilding dietitians. See you there. But that's, that kind of sums me up. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot to unpack there because you did touch on a lot of points, but ultimately I like that you're using objective and subjective measures here. Mm -hmm. So you're using objective measures, things that you can truly measure, like with numbers, something yeah. like blood work to truly see your recovery. Like mm. you will know that you're 
hormonally recovered once your testosterone gets back into that normal physiological range Mm. but you're also using subjective measures like how do i feel today you know what are my hunger cues like like how food focused am i how many times am i checking my fitness pal today Mm. how do i feel in the gym what's my strength like so it's a combination of those two and can you just touch on why are you choosing 80 kilograms well i guess that fits within the five to ten percent range Mm -hmm. that i quoted so it, once I reach 80 kilos, that'll be, I think, four weeks, mm-hmm. and that'll be five kilos. So that will be within that 5 to 10% of my stage weight range, and it will be on the more rapid side because mm-hmm. it will be only four weeks post-comp. And I would rather reach 80 kilos faster if it provides any sort of more uh, rapid benefit to feeling better. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to... like increase drastically from 80 kilos that's when i'll probably start a slower rate of gain maybe even hover there and consolidate just for a week or so uh, because like i feel like i'm holding a lot of water because i have gained weight quite Mm. rapidly and knowing your own body you've been 80 kilograms in the past many Mm. times before in your life would you say that around that 80 kilogram mark that's where you feel strong confident you Mm. feel healthy you, you feel good at that body weight yeah, that's that's a really good point and something that I actually forgot to touch on is that... Here I am to prompt you. <laughs> is that, yeah, think back to your prep in terms of when things started to go downhill a bit more rapidly. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was probably, probably was a little bit heavier to be honest, but maybe factoring a bit of muscle loss, it is closer to 80 kilos now in that around 80 to 83, I would say, was when my energy level started to tank a bit. And like my food focus and appetite went went up quite significantly. So that's why I'm setting 80 kilos. And at 80 kilos, I'm still objectively, and I guess subjectively, according to other people, mm-hmm. going to be very lean. And that's why it's just going to be penciled in. But I'm fairly confident that from like around 80 to 82, I'll then commence like a slower rate of gain at around like 1% of my body weight per, mm-hmm. per month. And I really like how you're open and honest about how you are going through periods some days and times during the day where you actually do feel uncomfortable because you know you're doing the right thing right now. You are following the plan and you're doing the best thing for your health. And ultimately, you are achieving those goals of gaining weight. But there's no denying that after months of dieting and watching your body get smaller and leaner and especially having a comp tan on, Mm. now that a lot of that's fading, it it is tough. It is really tough. Yeah, it is tough. And... Sometimes it just depends like what kind of mood you're in. Like Mm -hmm. maybe if I've had a poor night's sleep, then I'll wake up and maybe feel a bit more negative about it. But if I have a great pump in the gym, I've just uh, beat my numbers from last week, then I'm I'm gonna feel very positive about it and be like, wow, I'm feeling full, I'm looking full, I'm getting stronger. Mm -hmm. So it, it so much, and that's something that I always remind myself about like, our current thoughts are, are very acute. Mm. Like all it takes is a change of the wind and literally you'll turn a negative into a positive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can't intentionally change that ourselves. We have to wait, just deal with it that day. And then tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll feel better. Like mm-hmm. that's at least how it works for me. I'm, I hope people are similar. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the exact same for me too. And I think what really helps now is that even though we are bodybuilders and we're always focused on our physiques, 
transitioning out of this prep, we can go from being physique focused to more performance based mm, focus. 100%. And you and I have already set huge goals for ourselves in these next couple of years that we want to hit some big strength PBs and achieve a lot of things in the gym. And that's really motivating to be like, yeah, I need to put on a little bit more body weight to do that. Yeah. I think it's good that you mentioned, yeah, physique to performance because at the same time, I am quite detached from my physique. Like I'm, I wouldn't say my concern or my periods are more negative thoughts are associated with how I'm looking. It's just more the change. Like it's just a period of, of drastic change mm -hmm. and potentially I'm just not 100% sure how to feel about that. But like I don't look at myself now and I'm like, oh, I look like crap because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think that whatsoever. Uh, and I think it just comes back to having a good understanding and a good plan of, of what is happening. Mm -hmm. Like if if you go this is this is interesting if you go into your recovery diet expecting to gain muscle and look leaner because it's the anabolic window post-show then of course you're going to feel bad because you're expecting to look leaner but i never had that expectation to begin with mm -hmm. so it doesn't make sense me feeling bad because of that mm -hmm. and ultimately you got down to that required level of leanness for your categories yeah. where at the end of prep you're craving more body fat on you mm, definitely yeah. Well, you've touched a lot on obviously body weight, training. Let's talk about nutrition a little bit. So what are you doing with your nutrition right now? Well, let's, let's talk about your process first okay? because I think that'll be a good segue and it'll relate more to the, to the females that are listening and, and all that and potentially the, the slightly less lean divisions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess I will say that I'm using subjective and objective measures like you as well. So subjective going off how I'm feeling, going off my strength in the gym, going off my daily energy levels, going off my quality of sleep, my mood, all of those wonderful things, but also using objective measures too. So I got some blood work done as well before prep, during prep, after prep. I also am obviously tracking my scale weight. I'm tracking my training performance. I'm tracking my nutritional intake. So I'm tracking all of these different variables and that's helping guide me right now. But ultimately, for stage, my lowest weight during at the end of prep was 57.2 kilograms. Then when we got back, uh, we got a brand new scale, which automatically put 500 grams onto both of our body weights, which is, that's great, right? Yeah, it's a great way to start. <laughs> Freaking love that. But hell, it was Treated like, as muscle. <laughs> exactly. Woo. <laughs> but first day of the improvement season, we both hopped on this new scale and I was 58.9 on that scale. Then we had one week of a deload and I basically maintained that 58.9 kilograms. I was on 325 carb, 40 fat and 200 grams of protein. Then we've just gone into this past week, which was our first week of our new mesocycle. We'll touch more on training in a moment, but I just upped my macros to 350 carb and kept protein and fats the same. And initially my body weight actually dropped down to 58.7, but then it went right up to 59.7 and then it stayed there the entire time. My body weight's always like that. It will always like do these big jumps and then it just stays yeah. or it does these big drops and then it just stays. It's kind of like not walking up or down a staircase. It's like just leaping and then taking your sweet time to stay on one stair. Yeah, I think something we have to consider as well, especially with me is now that prep's over, I'm incorporating all this extra food variety. And I mm -hmm. think you are to an extent as well. More protein cakes. <laughs> <laughs> and our body 
isn't to sound very bro like our body isn't isn't used to that sort mm-hmm. of variety so these big fluctuations in body weight aren't too surprising yeah without a doubt but at the same time i'm not concerned so yeah. right now i'm sitting at 59.7 kilograms and i feel really happy at this body weight and i got objective measures like i said i got some blood work done and compared to you my hormonal profile i'm still in a physiological range for everything i'm not deficient in any sort of nutrients so I get that tick of approval from my health there and I'm not taking as rapid of a approach to gaining weight Mm. as you are because ultimately I don't feel like I need to one. I did not get as lean as you did because I'm not a body. (laughs) No dude, I'm not a bodybuilder. So I didn't get as lean as you. And one, I've definitely still put on weight since prep, but ultimately these past two years, man, I've spent probably the majority of these past two years more in a dieting phase than actually in a surplus or at maintenance. Like back in 2019 in May, that was two years ago now, that's when I started my pre-prep phase and I did an eight week cut before entering into my prep in late 2019 at the very end of August slash early September. So I've actually been dieting for the majority of the past two years. And ultimately if I've got two years ahead of me until I enter into another competition phase, I would love to spend the majority of that time in a combination of a surplus and at maintenance. Like Mm. if I can hold off on dieting for two years and just really be very meticulous with controlling different variables and just maximize my training performance, I think that my body's going to reap so many benefits from that. So ultimately that's my goal. I feel really good right now. So my rate of gain from here on out is probably going to be closer to like half a kilogram per month. And ultimately if my weight stalls for two weeks in a row, that's when I would do a macronutrient increase just by hundred calories, 25 grams of carbs, or if it drops on average for a week, then I would go immediately uh, into another macronutrient increase. Mm. Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions for you. The first one is, when will you officially start that half kilo rate of gain if you've already gained some Starting weight? Starting it now. Okay. Yeah. So like this is week one of it? Yeah. So this okay. is week one. Cool. And how are you tangibly tracking that? Like, Because you, you use the spreadsheet. So you going by like 0.5 divided by four. So that would be just over 100 grams, be 125 grams a week. Like, is that how you're tracking it? Yeah, because our nutrition and training templates when we put in our body weight each day it calculates a weekly average for us so i'm just going to be identifying those trends and comparing that week to week Mm -hmm. and making sure i'm on track there hey guys just a reminder that we offer coaching services which you can find on our website by searching the bodybuilding dietitians on google or via the show notes below we coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal and in terms of your recovery because we know that you recover much faster than I do. Mm-hmm. Like you're able to train five days a week. I definitely can't. I do well, two sets for a lot of things. <laughs> we both train five days a week. Sorry, you train full body five days a week. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but what areas are you still not fully recovered in, would you say? And which areas are you fully recovered in? Oh, I think we're going to, I'm going to have to wait one more week to actually <laughs> truly answer this question because we did finish a deload Mm. and then last week we both went through the very first week of our brand new mesocycles so i would say that my fatigue was a little bit skewed because it was a brand new training block yeah and obviously there are plenty of other markers to consider Mm mm-hmm recovery like food focus appetite oh yeah so so training obviously yeah man last week i was sore because Mm. i was pushing it and i was doing 
still very similar exercise varieties, a few new ones, but different orders for them. Ultimately, it was just a new stimulus in different ways and lifting heavier weights too. So yeah, man, last week I was sore. But I think this week, now moving into the second week of this new mesocycle, my soreness won't be nearly to that level. I would mm. have obviously adapted. But definitely focusing on food focus, hunger levels, uh, that is going to take its sweet time. But I have noticed that it, it definitely is going down because mm. right now I'm eating around 2,600 calories a day, which is around 1,000 or more up from what I was eating in the depths of prep. So it's a lot more food right now. And even already I'm finding that like I'm already re I'm ready for my next meal, but I'm not like checking my fitness pal as often anymore mm -hmm. during the day, which is really nice. And yeah, I would say that day by day, I'm just feeling better in so many aspects. And even you and I have been saying this to each other, like every single day we feel that little bit more energetic, that mm. little bit less food focused, that little bit stronger. And yeah, it's still early days, but it still <laughs> very counts. Early. Yeah. <laughs> very early. And yeah, like I think we, we're often saying to each other, like, wow, I just feel good today. Mm -hmm. And I think part of us is just mistaking that for having more energy availability. Mm -hmm. Like our body just has a surplus of energy now. It's, it's thanking us for that, uh, to put it very simply. Yeah. And where, yeah, while in prep, like we would have to be flying high. We'd have to be on drugs or something to feel mm -hmm. as if we're feeling right now. <laughs> it would have to, yeah. So, and I think we're not used to having this surplus of energy and feeling this good uh, on a consistent basis. So I can't wait to see how we're feeling once we're like 100% yeah. recovered. I'm just noticing in so many different aspects, like when I go on my walks in the park during the day, like I do have more bounce to my step because and I always look at my watch, like I'm actually walking two minutes faster now for the full 30, uh, <laughs> two minutes faster for the full 30 minute walk. <laughs> it usually used to take me around half an hour. Now it's taking me closer to like 28 minutes. So I'm wow. actually walking faster. When I play my music, I, I'm singing along to songs more, like I'm moving my hands, like I'm being an airplane in the park, you know, like those fun little <laughs> things. Or even turning on a podcast, I'm like fully there. Like I can actually focus on exactly what they're saying because there were points in prep where I'd go on a walk early in the morning and you know, it was like a low carb day or something and I hadn't eaten my vegetables since 5 p.m. <laughs> the night before. And I turn on this really intellectual podcast and like, I cannot take any of this in. This is going in one ear out the other. I cannot focus, like this is a waste. Like I need to save this for a time when I can actually mm. really focus on what they're saying. So yeah, I'm noticing in so many different aspects of life. And again, it's early days, but boy, I'm, I'm feeling so much better. I'm, I'm happy right now. Like awesome. the deeper you get into prep, the more you just crave the improvement season. And yeah. this is yeah. my favorite time. <laughs> awesome. So what shall we touch on next? Do you want to, let's I, touch on our training. Okay. Well, I'll quickly touch on my nutrition because mm. like that. So Basically, my food choices are fairly similar. I'm adding more variety though. So like for example, in cream of wheat, I'm still having that as a base, but like I'm adding in fruit now, I'm adding in nut butters and different versions of them so that I get variety. For breakfast, I'm still having like oats, but I'm, I'm baking them now, I'm having them normally, so on and so forth. For dinner, I'm having different toppings on that and, and all that kind of stuff. So mm. nutritionally, I'm still, doing very well and if anything i'm doing better from a new, solely nutrition standpoint because i'm adding more variety and ticking all those boxes and in terms of macros so those increased quite drastically by around 800 calories 
and they've stayed around the same since then. So it's around on training days, uh, 500 grams of carb. Like I'm, I'm not going to lie. They have varied a little bit because like I have different energy outputs, different days. And I feel like I know my body well enough to give me different macros on different days. Like you fuel for the work required. It yeah. logically makes sense. For example, like on a Saturday, like that's my, I train on that day, but it's also my least intense training session compared to like a Tuesday or Friday, which is a leg day, which is my most intense compared to a rest day, which is the lowest of all. So it's around 500 grams of carbs, 70 to 80 fat and around 250 to 275 protein. And yeah, that's a decent, like that's, as I said, like a 600 to 800 calorie jump from prep. So of course I'm loving the extra food and yeah that's basically nutrition for me yeah one of the best things about nutrition right now is that every meal is a decent sized meal like at the end of prep like you and i we always front loaded our calories and Mm -hmm. we still do but we were always having a big breakfast but then if it was a lower calorie day you're like okay after this workout i'm not exactly going home to to a big meal i'm going home to like 15 grams of popcorn (laughs) kernels shed a tear but now it's like oh man i get to go home to a big protein cake and a bunch of pieces of fruit or like your your big cream of wheat like Mm. every meal is a is a nice meal now which is really something to look forward to yeah certainly and the rest day roasts are back if you guys follow us on instagram you'd have seen some of our rest day roast pictures we were talking about making beef ribs for oh boy what seven or eight months yeah. and yesterday we so finally did we it just said all the prep like oh we're gonna make some beef ribs when we finish oh and yesterday boy those hit the spot slow cooked them for four hours we made our own barbecue sauce from scratch added in that whoosh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh
guess what these areas might be as well. But my lower body, I'm very happy with. Like if I just continue training my lower body, how I've been training it, it's going to grow. I'm quite, if you want to say like that's more and more genetically favorable area. So is my arms. So is my shoulders as well. Mm-hmm. Especially my arms. Just do a, chuck in a few sets at the end of each workout and they'll grow. Yeah, you're so modest about that. And even with the <laughs> lower body, like Jack, if you've seen, of course you've seen, but guys, Jack's not a, a wuss when it comes no. to doing RDLs and hacks. No, I'm not. But at the same time, like I, I train my chest just as hard as my legs and it doesn't grow quite as mm-hmm. much. But anyway, that my chest and my back is what I'll be targeting. And my back specifically is my upper back region and my lats. I think as long as I keep getting stronger at RDLs and the other pulling movements that aren't chest supported, my lower back will just continue to grow. Mm. And it grew a lot compared to my first, first, second season of competing. Oh yeah, it was night and day. Mm. And yeah, chest will be a little bit tougher, I think, because I, I didn't, I'm, I'm not weak in, in pushing movements, but I'm not crazy strong either. I'm definitely stronger in the more incline and shoulder dominant movements and less so in the flat. So I think I need to partly get stronger in the pushing movements. And at the same time, I need to make sure that my connection with my chest is, is phenomenal and that I'm not incorporating my shoulders and triceps because those will naturally try and take control because mm-hmm. they are stronger muscle groups. And another thing that I'll be doing is taking out a lot of vertical pushing. Like I don't have any vertical or even very high inclined pushing at the moment. It's all like around flat to about 45 degrees. And again, that's just been done to prioritize the chest. And I'm still going to get a lot of anterior delt involvement and my lateral delts are going to be hit every upper body session through mm-hmm. like lateral raises and stuff. So that's something I have changed my mind on recently is, is like potentially uh, if, if someone does have a stronger shoulders than their chest, like uh, taking out a lot of their shoulder pressing movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess to touch on my structure of training as a whole, I've been training three upper, two lower for a long time now. The only break I had, I've had from that since 2018 is in COVID where I did an upper lower push pull legs. And I feel like I like the frequency of hitting something three times a week for upper. I feel like I can recover well and I will be pulling down a lot of my compound movement sets. So pretty much anything I start the workout with for the first three or four exercises is gonna be two sets now. And that's just going to facilitate more recovery, keep progressing more consistently, hopefully get injured less. But yeah, but that, the caveat there is that you train freaking hard yeah. for those two sets. If you yeah, if you if you train like a uh, if you don't train hard enough for those two sets, then you just won't get anything out of that mm-hmm. style of training. And at the same time, like that's still something that I need to hone and I want to hone is is training intensity. Like we often say that I train hard, but there's people who train harder and I want to, I want to be able to match those people. Mm. I guess sometimes cause people, maybe they feel insecure about the way that they look when they're training hard, but mm. boy, I'm more impressed when someone posts up an Instagram lifting video and they're like squinting their face and they're, as long as they're not screaming and shouting. I think that's, yeah. a bit un- I, I grunt a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. but yeah, as long as there's no unnecessary uh, vocals. <laughs> I just like death stare myself and I'm like, one more. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, like, I think it's more impressive when you can really see their facial expressions or you can see someone's arms shaking or their legs shaking and you're like, 
whoa, like, are they mm. going to get this final rep? That's really impressive. And then when they get it compared to, you know, your average person who their face is just straight when they're doing a lifting video and they're like, hit a new PB today <laughs> on shoulder press. But it's just like dead face, arms going up and down all at the same rate for every single rep. I'm mm. like, dude, you could probably 10 extra kilograms. Yeah. <laughs> and we did a whole podcast on that. We said people don't train hard enough. Anyway, they need to worry more about hard enough versus too hard yeah man make lifting faces more popular <laughs> cool well do you have any question other questions about my training or i think it was a bit scattered there but basically doing three upper two lower prioritizing chest and back uh doing uh, changing my approach so i'm mainly doing two sets now mm-hmm. and I'm, the other thing that might be interesting for people is i'm going to start doing all my lower back dominant movements beltless except mm-hmm. for rdl's and so far, I've definitely noticed the back doms from that. Mm-hmm. Even though the evidence at the moment is like EMG data suggests that the lower back is still targeted just as much, if not more, while wearing a belt. I'm just going to be my own case study in this department. Just go beltless. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Uh, but what about you? What are you doing for training? So I'm still keeping my full body splits because ultimately, I think it just works really well for me. Mm. You know, I've been an athlete my whole life. I have high recovery capacities and I've always been able to handle high volumes of training. So ultimately full body works really well for me. So I'm still keeping that split five times per week. But the great thing about bodybuilding, what I love about it, it's very unique compared to doing any other sort of dieting phase is that you truly get to strip it all back. You know, you take off as much body fat as you possibly can and you really get to see what's underneath. You truly get to see your skeletal musculature, kind of like a cadaver with still Mm -hmm. a little bit of skin. But based on this most uh, recent competition season, I was able to really strip it all back and really take a good look at myself. And yeah, as a young competitor, there's no denying that I really need to continue to grow everything, but there's certainly areas that I need to prioritize more than others. So areas that I am more developed in are things like my hamstrings, my glutes, my calves, my chest, but areas that are certainly lacking for me are my abdominals, my shoulders, my arms, and also my quads. Mm. So based on that, I'm still following my full body split, but I'm choosing to prioritize those muscle groups over the others. Of course, I'm still going to be doing RDLs. I'm still going to be doing my hip thrusts, all that good stuff, but I'm prioritizing putting more of my training volume and more of my like big compound movements towards those other exercises to really help develop Mm. them. So yeah, very similar to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Are you also doing it in like order of importance in your workout? So putting your weaker points as the first exercise? Yeah. So basically at the start of each workout, I've like most days, there's some days where like I'll still start with barbell RDLs as my main Mm. compound. But the majority of all the other days I've got, you know, my Bulgarians in there. I've got my Smith machine lunges. I've got my dumbbell shoulder press, et cetera. Yeah. So that I can, yeah, prioritize those big compounds and also just adding in more accessory work too, to really, my, my arms, I don't want to use the word suck, but they ain't very muscular. <laughs> I think you have very defined biceps. Like they're very... Not not massive, but they're, mm-hmm. you have good genetics for your bicep structure. Thanks. 
Yeah, thank you. My, I think my biceps are obviously more developed because I'm good at pulling movements. My mm. back's really strong, and especially because I do chin-ups till the cows come home. Yeah. So my biceps are developed, but boy, we are lacking in the tricep department, yo. <laughs> Even though I'm strong at bench, like... I'm, I'll admit, like, I didn't do, in the past, I haven't done, like, a lot of tricep work or a lot of tricep accessories, but heck, that's going to change now. So, basically, every single full body session, every single session, <laughs> I'm always doing at least one exercise for my triceps. I'm always doing at least one exercise for my delts, for my quads, etc. And my core especially. Man, come 2023, I need to get on stage with a six-pack. Okay, mm. and I'm gonna build it. And it ain't built in the kitchen, yo. <laughs> you have to build abs in the gym. So yeah, and because my stomach's just flat, you know, I've got a small waist, but like there's just nothing there. You know, it's just yeah. like a it's a cutting board. I wanna turn it into a a grater. Into a grater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh abs are a tough abs and carbs are two of the toughest muscle groups to change, I would say, if they're mm unfavorable for you Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because abs isn't uh either of our strong points like i Mm. still have some blocks there but they're a bit all over the place (laughs) genetically they are in little funky uh positions some of them but i would you have a much more developed core than me even at high body fat percentages you can still see your core yeah i think that's just more associated with body fat distribution Mm -hmm. but We'll see how it changes this improvement season. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I can't wait. So ultimately, I'm doing like weighted core exercises every single session. Like, you know, the abdominal crunch machine, like weighted decline sit-ups, the whole shebang. And help probably continue along the years to experiment with others and see if other things work well for me too. But yeah, I need, next time I get on stage, man, I just, I need to be jacked. Otherwise I'm not getting on stage because mm. I'm not getting on stage again and having people go, you're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go through seven months of prep, bust in your butt to step on stage and have someone comment on your height. Okay. Mm. Like you want them to comment on your, the musculature on your body. So that's we'll my call ultimate you a runner goal. as well. Yeah. Or be like, Hey, like, did you run the, you know, the, the bridge to Brisbane? <laughs> freaking nut sacks anyway (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's kind of me for training but i'm freaking loving it man and like i've set myself some big goals because i want to get strong like i want to be able to do 200 kilogram hip thrusts i want to get my bulgarians up to 36 kilogram kettlebells and beyond maybe i'll even do like 100 kilogram smith machine lunges wow I want to get up to 100 kilograms on the barbell RDL, 50 kilograms each hand for the dumbbell RDLs. I want to get up to like 20 kilograms per hand for shoulder press. Like, boy, I just want to get jacked. Yeah, this is, I can already tell like your mindset. And I remember telling you last or maybe the previous improvement season that you you need to start having performance as your mm-hmm. major major top goal yeah and i can see that your mindset has shifted mm-hmm. since finishing this prep which is awesome yeah well i think i've always been performance driven mm-hmm. but like i think you have been intensity driven not necessarily performance mm-hmm. driven if you i think if, like i just now i have clear goals with clear numbers yeah and you've you found which exercises uh work well with your biomechanics mm-hmm. as well absolutely boy lunges and bulgarians have changed the game for me Mm. like all those years i mucked around trying to do barbell back squats oh man bulgarians are just where it's at like and come 2023 like i want to step on stage and flex my quads and have there be like really clear splits there Mm. my goal is to get 
muscular as possible and then get Montana Owens lean. Like <laughs> she is the standard now. Awesome. <laughs> Cool. Well, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, we've had a good old chat for this first episode. Yeah, so in episodes to come, you can definitely expect to hear about our training and nutrition. Mm -hmm. If there's kind of like a running segment that you guys would like to hear, like maybe something about our personal lives or about business or just like a, even if we want to incorporate a quick Q&A, one or two questions into these episodes, like mm -hmm. that might be neat or you can just leave it in our hands and we'll think of some things. But uh, do you have anything else to wrap up on? No, ultimately, I want to ask you for this first episode, <laughs> what do you want to improve on this next week? Cool. So, yeah, there's, there's lots to think about with this one. But I think I just want to keep it simple and say, keep on track with my weight gain and hit, hit that around 79.7 to 80 kilos by the end of this week, uh, which is very achievable. And uh, then basically... Um, transition into that slightly slower rate of gain mm -hmm. and continue recovering Epic. let my body do its thing yeah what about you okay so this week i'm gonna hit a lifetime pb that's right second week of my new mesocycle two weeks post comp already hitting pbs <laughs> <laughs> anyway today no wait not today tomorrow we are going to World's Gym Mount Gravatt, and I will be doing dumbbell RDLs. Last week, I did 40 kilograms for 3 by 10 Felt pretty sweet, so it's time to step it up. And tomorrow, I'm going to be given the 42.5 kilogram dumbbells a crack for at least 3 by 8 Awesome. Yeah. Good. Is that... Is that your body weight yet? So that would be... 80. Well, over your body, body weight. Oh, yeah. well over my body weight. The coolest thing is that once I get to 90 kilograms, which... I was thinking 1.5, sorry. So it's... Yeah, it's it's over 1.5. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal. So I'm right now for barbell RDLs, I'm doing 85 kilograms for 3 by 10 And once I get to 90 kilograms there, it's 60 kilograms body weight. That'll be 1.5. Mm. And then the 45 kilogram dumbbells, which I should be able to lift in the coming weeks. It's interesting that you can lift more for dumbbell than barbell. Maybe you need to kind of... Uh, yeah, figure that, like you should be, because there's more range of motion with the dumbbells. They should mm. be harder and they're more no, awkward. I can lift, I can basically lift the same. Okay. Yeah, because I'm doing 85 for barbell right now and 40 kilograms each hand for dumbbell. So it's still mm. a little bit less for dumbbell. Because I can lift like well over double on the mm. barbell compared to dumbbell. Yeah. I'm not sure. I love the dumbbells though. Sorry, not, no, not that much, but significantly more on barbell. Mm. I don't know. My well, math is... Okay, I need to just stop talking because well, my math is maybe way you, off. <laughs> maybe you just need to step up your dumbbell game. But at the yeah. same time, you're doing 170 plus kilograms. So those are some heavy ass dumbbells. Uh, I'm doing 120. I'm doing 260s. <laughs> I know, but you lift 170 for barbell. So I'm yeah, saying you yeah. need to step Not up right. your dumbbell game. I'm 160 game. right now, but yeah, yeah, I'll get to 170 in, in yeah. a few weeks. The issue for you is that you're running out of weight on the dumbbell rack. Like yeah. they don't always go that heavy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for our first episode of Road to 2023. Hope you enjoyed it. No, we did. But if you did enjoy this episode, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag the bodybuilding dietitians, and we'll catch you next week. See you guys.